Hi there and welcome to Global Heart Church. Uh, I'm Jared Keane, the senior pastor, and wherever you are tuning in from around the world today, really, really hope and pray that in our planning of this message that it's going to really inspire you for the great journey that you are on and uh, for the great calling that you have in your own life. So enjoy the message and really pray that it's a blessing to you today. Well, welcome. If you're here tonight in our Perth campus or you're watching online, or someone sent you a snippet on Instagram and you're back watching at a later date. Hey, we're so glad that you're here watching. So glad that you're here in this location. Uh, I believe that God is going to speak to you tonight. My name is Eli. Me and my lovely wife are the campus location pastors of our Melbourne campus, our Melbourne location. Please be praying for us. We'll be heading there early uh, next year, beginning of next year, in Jesus' name. Uh, but I believe everything happens in God's timing. Can I get an amen? And if you're here tonight, I believe that God has got you here in His timing. And I believe whether you leave, uh, you don't feel that you leave with anything, I believe in time you'll look back at this moment and go, God was speaking to me. Because I know every time you step into the presence of God, you step into the house of God, you're surrounded by God's people. Come on, God is on the move. Is that cool? Can I sh- start by just... Uh, sharing with you a little tip that I've learned along the way. Uh, it's a valuable tip, so guys, listen up particularly. Uh, when it comes to decision-making, two things that I want to share with you on the onset, because you know what? We have to make decisions in life. But the first thing uh, I want to encourage you with, if you're taking notes, particularly single gentlemen, uh, is, hey, the first thing in decision-making is deciding to make a decision. Okay? In fact, when you don't make a decision, they call that indecisiveness. And uh, no ladies like men who can't make a decision. And all the ladies said, (laughs) see, I was telling the truth. Fantastic. We're in the house of God. Uh, But when it comes to decision making, you know, there's a a more difficult thing when it comes to decision making that I've discovered uh, is that when you have to make a decision to change the decisions you make in the way that you do things. Maybe, uh, you know, uh, things haven't been happening well in an area and you have to make the decision uh, to decide to, you know, change the way that you do things in order to get, don't get distracted, please, come on, I'm preaching here, uh, in the way that you do things. And, and depending on your circumstance, come on, de- depending on your upbringing, de- depending on your past experiences, depending how your decisions before turned out uh, in the end, you know, some decisions can seem small. And uh, some decisions can seem big, depending on who you are. But I agree, come on, we can all agree, uh, there is one decision that I'm I'm guessing a lot of you have faced, and it's a big decision, it's when you go to Krispy Kreme. Okay, just bear with me. You're standing in line at Krispy Kreme, you're hungry for a donut, okay, come on, we've all been hungry for a donut. We We all love the desserts, come on, who doesn't love desserts in this place? One person, fantastic. (laughs) Uh, the reason why I find that we like desserts, just a little bit of side note, that stressed spelled backwards is dessert. So whenever we're stressed, come on, the opposite to stressed is dessert. Uh, some of you are like writing in your head, oh, it is. First time you've ever noticed that. But when you're standing in the line of Krispy Kreme, right, you're standing in the line, you're standing before the glass cabinet, you came to get original glaze, but all of a sudden, you're, you're faced with a bunch of decisions, Yet there's, there's uh, cookies and cream, you know, there's, there's the, the caramel top, there's the custard filled. You know, some of you are just totally like lost right now. And some of you, there's two types of people I've discovered in this world. 
There's the type of people who that does not distract them. They continue to get the original glaze. But those are going, you know what? I'm going to try something different. And you buy the other flavors, and then you eat the other flavors. And after you finish eating the other flavors, you're like, why didn't I just get original glazed? Yeah, yeah, I have some friends in this place. Just to keep you happy, I bought four original glazed. I've overcome that decision, uh, that decision making problem. And you know what? It's a test. It's a test when we're, when we're making decisions. I'm just going to leave this here just for the moment. Uh, but, you know, when it came, comes to making decisions, particularly, uh, you know, difficult decisions or, or, or hard decisions, you know, it's human nature to have it in a nice, neat box, okay? We, we, we like to know the outcomes. We, we, we like to have things uh, in, in a barrier, come on, because a box is safe. You know, like a box is predictable. Come on, a, a box is, you know, how we've always done it. This is how my family's always done it. This is how my culture has always done it. Come on, this is how I brought up. This is how we've always done it in my household. Come on, this is how church has always done it. Come on, we like, we like in the box. It's, it's neat and it's safe. But sometimes we need to, uh, you know, in order to make decisions, uh, particularly God decisions, we need to be willing and comfortable to step out of the box. The topic for my message tonight, titles, if you're taking notes at home or here in this location, is what's in the box? And I know I'll show you in just a moment. But this term, uh, this term where it says thinking outside the box, everyone ever heard that term before, thinking outside the box? I believe uh, as a Christian, uh, you know, we've got, to, we've got to come to a point where we're able to think outside the box. And actually this, this term is not an old term. In fact, this term was first uh, announced in 1969. Here's a bit of a history lesson for you. By a guy called John Adair. And John Adair was an economist. And he was sitting in a Disney executive meeting. And they were talking about how to bring Disney forward because Disney was suffering at this time. And he presented this puzzle. It's called a topographical puzzle. Has anyone seen this before? Just keep your answers to yourself because I know you just want to tell everybody next to you. But he presented them with this puzzle, and he said, the key to this puzzle, I want you to solve this puzzle, is I want you to join all these dots together with four lines. But your pen cannot leave the paper, has to stay on the paper, cannot leave the paper. You've got four straight lines, okay, not curved lines, 3D lines, uh, whatever lines. Four straight lines have to join these nine dots together. Can everyone see? It's on the screen. Has anyone solved this puzzle before? You're lying. I'm going to do it for you, okay? This is going to blow your mind. Once you see it, you'll never be able to unsee it. You ready? Yeah. <laughs> Better make sure I get this right. I practiced. Two, three. Come on, count me in. Woo! I did touch it. And this is where the term outside the box comes. Because in order to solve this issue, in order to solve this problem, to, in order to get to the next level, you actually have to step outside the boundaries of the known and step into the unknown in order for you to achieve it. When you see this, like I said, after you've seen it, when you're showing this puzzle again, it's like, ah, oh, I've got this. I'm used to stepping outside the box. I'm used to trusting what I've never seen before. I'm used to seeing things that don't fit within my... And I'm willing to step outside to solve the problem, to think outside the box. Now, this is not a message on thinking outside the box. 
This is not a message and, and it's telling you to go home and to just change and challenge everything that you do. Okay, there's some things uh, in life that are better kept in a box, okay, with rules and regulations, okay? You can't go home and go, okay, I don't like my marriage. I'm going to think outside the box and I'm going to have two marriages, okay? This is not what this message is about, okay? There's some things that's better to have in a box when it comes to decision making. Come on, no one likes to find a new hairdresser every single time. Come on, it's a risk. It's good to have some things in the box. Some of my favorite things come in a box. Krispy Kremes. Come in a box. Good things come in a box. Here, Jordan, pass these out. Just, just don't get offended. Not the front row, not your wife. <laughs> Look at him trying to, trying to pass it up. <laughs> Fruit Loops. Come in a box. I was thinking about keeping these because I really like Fruit Loops, but here someone pass out the Fruit Loops. Be blessed. Dominoes. These are my favorite things. Comes in a box. Say, so run it to the back. Or I could throw it to the back, but that could get messy. You know, Dominoes. Nice and quick so people focus on what's being said. You know, good things. <laughs> Please share. Hey, great things come in a box. Okay, but there's also there's bad things that, that come in a box. Okay, uh, Xbox uh, for all those PlayStation fans. This came out yesterday. Fantastic. Uh, uh, CrossFit is done in a box. Kind of terrible. Terrible stuff. Here's some dad jokes uh, for you. Um, you know, one day you all end up in a box. Let's just bring the mood uh, right down there. There's, there's, bad, there's bad things that come in a box. But if you know Jesus, it's a good, good thing. Anyways. Um, but there's one thing. Come on. There's one thing and there's one person that we shouldn't have in a box, in a predictable, comfortable box. His name is Jesus. Come on, when we put Jesus in a box, hear me now, when we put Jesus in a box, it's called religion. When we put Jesus in a box, it's called religion. Maybe you're, you're here tonight and maybe for the first time and you've heard from someone what Jesus is like. You've tried to put him in a box or maybe you've come with a preconception of church or Christians or what God is like because it's comfortable when you can get him in a box. Sometimes we want to determine how God can work in my life, how God can work in my friend's life, how God can work in someone else's life. We, ha we want to have an expectation of how God can work, but God and Jesus is not meant to be in a box. Come on, men and women have always tried to put Jesus in a box. Hear me now, all my scholars. In the Old Testament, in fact, the presence of God was put in a box. It was called the Ark of the Covenant. Come on, and when Jesus was on this earth, they weren't pumped about how Jesus was walking around, how Jesus was behaving. He didn't fit within their boundaries of what the Messiah or God should be like. So what did they do? They killed him, and they put him in a box called a tomb. But I love how God, he couldn't be contained by a box. It says three days later, come on, he burst out of the box. What's in the box? Jesus should not be kept in a box. 
This is not Jesus. This is Jesus. For you at home, we call him Geezer. So he's Jesus. Can I get some stage hands to pull off Jesus? Because uh, Jesus can heal miracles, but if this guy falls, it's probably going to hurt him. Maybe he can sign you. Oh my goodness. All right. Come on. Focus now. Jesus should not be kept in a box. I think in order to get breakthrough as a Christian, we need to come to a point where we begin to understand, even if you've been a Christian for a long time, we cannot predict what Jesus or how Jesus is going to work. We just know that he is. I love reading the Bible because if, if you read the Bible and you read through the miracles, how Jesus performed miracles every single time was different. People tried to have a formula of how to do it, but Jesus would do it different. And not just Jesus. I love reading through the Bible because in the Bible, even his disciples, when they would heal, it was always so random, but yet so powerful. They weren't contained by a method or a system. In fact, they believed in the power of God that uh, withstood and outstood outside of a system. And I want to tell you a story. It's from a physician called Luke. He's recounting in the book of Acts for a rich man who commissioned him to do it called Theophilus. And uh, Luke is writing in Acts 3, and we're beginning to hear a story of two disciples, Peter and John, when they encounter a man who they're about to heal. And in Acts 3, verse 1, it says this. This is just before the healing. And this is a key point I want you to get, because this first point is something that we should have in the box. Acts 3, verse 1, it says this. One day, Peter and John, get this, we're going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. I want to encourage you. One thing that is not random, one thing that always precedes a miracle is prayer. One thing that sometimes Christians, we like to put outside the box and go, yeah, this is how I pray. Uh, me and God, we got this thing. Or maybe you're not a Christian. And like prayer, come on, can we be honest? Prayer is in itself outside the box. It's weird. If you don't believe me, as a Christian, go to a public place and start praying out aloud to God. Come on, it's outside the box. But for God... For God and for us, it should be a tool that's within the box. But did you see it? More specifically, it said they were going to the place of prayer at a specific time. If you're taking notes, here's a tip for you. This is something I learned that's encouraged me in my prayer life, and this has changed uh, a little bit over time. But in my prayer life, I'm specific with place and specific with time. Prayer cannot be when I feel like it, because you'll never feel like it. Prayer cannot be when I get a spare moment, because you'll always feel your life or find that your life be filled and you'll never have a moment. i got to be specific with time and place. Before I had children, it used to be in the gym, uh, in the gym, in the car on the way to gym. That would be my prayer time. For the last three weeks, I haven't gone to the gym. I know you can't tell. But so my time and place has been in the shower. That has been my time. Every time I have a shower, because I know I'm going to have a shower every day, uh, I'm going to pray, and that's my time and my place. I want to encourage you to get a consistent prayer life. We need to put it inside the box of time and place. Time and place. Prayer preceded uh, the miracle. And here's the miracle. The story goes on. Acts 3, verse 
2. It says, Now a man who was lame from birth, this is key, I'm going to get to that in a moment, was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful. Who's sitting next to someone called Beautiful? That was your moment. Where he was put every day to beg from those who were going into the temple courts. Next verse. It says, When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Couple things. I think it's really clever. I don't know if you've ever seen this. But as a beggar, he's going outside the place of worship. I guarantee you, everybody on the way to church, this isn't the beggar that you're going to avoid. Okay, because you got your church face on. So first of all, this guy is thinking strategically, everyone going here, they're the church folk. I'm going to be outside the church. I'm going to be begging for money. They're going to give me money because all their church friends are there. So this is, first of all, this is a good strategy. Come on, we're just being honest here. This is, this is, this is a smart, smart beggar. But the second thing that I want to point to, it says that he was begging from birth. Now, this is a key point. In Acts 4, verse 22, a bit later on, we hear that this man is over 40 years old. So for over 40 years, he has been doing this. It says he's been lifted to the gate to beg. Now, why is this significant? Because it's different being lame from birth than, hey, being lame later in life. I like to picture this man. He would not know anything different by the situation that he's in. And this is not a new thing. He wouldn't be sitting there and thinking back of the old times when he had legs and he was able to be mobile and life was simple. He would have no concept. He would have no experience. Having unlame, an unlame body would be totally outside the box for this man. It makes me think of my own life. Come on. Before coming to church, there's things that I only noticed that were dysfunctional in my life when I was placed before things that were functional in the house of God. One of the things that used to plague me and one of the things that used to scare me, and this may sound funny to you if it's not your thing, was a family dinner used to be an uncomfortable place for me. In fact, when me and my wife got married, one of the advice that was given to, to me with my wife was because Fatima, my wife, is grown up in a great family where they have family dinner every night and that's something they do. And I was encouraged that, hey, this might be an uncomfortable position for you, that when you marry her, you might have to go to a family dinner. I did not know that was an issue until I was placed in front of someone who was healed in this area. There's many things in my life that I was unaware that God wanted to change in me. Now my family loved to have dinner together. Here is this man who had no concept of what it's like to be healed. He was, he was lame from birth. The next thing in that verse is it says he asked for money. Why is that important? Well, isn't that the logical thing to do? Come on, he's, he's, he's in a world where he's a beggar. This is what beggars do. They ask for money. It says that, in fact, he was carried there on a regular basis. And some translation says he was carried there daily to receive his money. Because this was his answer. This was his solution to the, the, the predicament that he was in, the crisis that he was in, his solution. Come on, for anybody who, who, who was in this situation, the solution would be, hey, I need to beg for money, so I need to get through this moment. He would get the money and he would find satisfaction, maybe for a moment, satisfaction for a day. But then the next day would come and he would have to find himself back in the same situation, begging for money again to get through to the next day. As I was reading this, I, I thought of my own life and I thought of many of us as, as, as we've tried to find natural solutions for the situation we're in. 
and it seems like this is what the world tells us. This is what I've seen on YouTube. This is what my friend tells me will be the solution. If I just do this, if I just sleep around, if I just go to this party, if I just drink this alcohol, if I just take this drugs, then I'll be set free. But we find ourselves in a cycle that it finds us a point of joy for just a moment. But the next day we're back in the same hole again and again and again. But in this moment, in this point of crisis, it was about to change. And in your moment, in your point of crisis, things could change because in this, in this crisis, in this moment, in this crisis, it was different because in this crisis, Christ is. In this crisis, Christ is. The key has changed. The situation has changed. The verse goes on. It says, Peter looked, him <laughs> Peter looked straight at him as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. I want to tell you what, he was about to get something from them, but not what he expected. As I was reading this verse, this is a key thing that I want you to get. Because it's not like it was a one-way scenario. There was a bit of an interaction that happened here. Peter and John, they said to the man, look at us, and the man had to respond. The man had to realize and take heed of the moment that KJV version says the man took heed of what was before him. That in this moment, it was not like any other day. It was not like any other two guys walking past him, giving him money. In this moment, something was different. Something was supernatural. It says the man looked up from, I, I, I picture the man may have been looking at the ground full of shame, but in this moment, he looks up and he's expecting something. He's taking heed that this situation is different. Something before me is happening that has never happened before. I want to encourage you that Jesus is on the move. Jesus is in this building. Jesus is working in your life. But if you don't take the time to take heed of the moment, Come on, and realize that, hey, Jesus may be looking different. Come on, this may be a different scenario, that this may be out of the box. Come on, Christian, you may, may consider yourself not down and out, but you're just floating through life because you never realize and take heed of the moment that God is trying to work in your life every single day, but you're used to the routine. Come on, it's time to let a bit of risk into our routine. Come on, it's time to allow God to intercede into our situation. He takes heed. Of the moment, I love this. This is this is a this is a fantastic part of the story, and it goes on. Let's go to the next verse. We'll skip this. Sorry, I stuffed you up. It says, "Then Peter said, Silver or gold, I do not have, but what I do have, I give to you, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth." I'm going to stop right there. Keep that verse up there. What are you talking about? Come on, we, we understand this in 2020. Jesus of Nazareth, we're like, yeah, Christian, Jesus of Nazareth, he's our hero, he's going to do something great. But come on, in this time, this is Jesus Christ. I, I can picture the guy saying, isn't this the Jesus that we just crucified, uh, you know, just a few days ago? Isn't this the Jesus that was uh, uh, the, 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 the guy causing the insurrection? Come on, wasn't this the Jesus that this temple that you're going to with the leaders there saying, hey, he's a faker? Isn't this Jesus what power does this Jesus have? Come on, he's dead. Christ of Nazareth. Come on, Nazareth, the oppressed and down people. Come on, it used to be the same. What good could come for Nazareth? How are you reaching out to me? I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Nazareth, walk. I don't know about you, but for me as a blind beggar, I would be like, okay. He's not blind, but as a beggar, what's going on here? What's happening in this statement? And it goes on. I love the boldness. It says, take him by the right hand, the hand of favor. 
he helped him up. The hand of favor, he reaches out to the man. He helps him up. And it says instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. I don't know about you, but we can read it and we can just skip over and go, wow, that's awesome. But this is a man who hasn't walked for 40 years. In fact, this is a man who's never walked in his life. Just picture for a moment, what would this man's legs look like? Come on, this isn't just like he's got boom, popping quads and cars and he's ready to go. He's got nothing. But all of a sudden it says he stands up and it says his calves and his ankles strengthen. Come on, some of the scriptures say his loins strengthen for the first time. He looks down. He sees that his feet are fully functional. I believe he stood there for a moment. Come on, I'm paraphrasing. Forgive me, theologians. But I believe he stood there for a moment stunned. Like, what the heck is going on? What are these things? I don't even train legs. (laughs) I do. But get this, this is key, I want, you to, I want you to understand this. I want to slow you down a bit. Because it says, he jumped to his feet, he stood there stunned, but then he began to walk. Ooh. How, how would you walk for the first time? <laughs> how would you do it? Come on, I, I know my, my children, you know, that there was a process for them to learn how to walk. But instantly, come on, we're missing this part of the miracle. This man who never walked from birth, he's like a baby. All of a sudden, he begins to walk. But then it says, when he went to the temple courts, not only was he walking, he was jumping. Woo! Walking to jumping. Come on, my two-year-old daughter still doesn't jump. She jumps off the couch, which is annoying. And praising God. Walking, jumping. What, what am I getting to? God really spoke to me so clearly. Come on, sometimes you can get that lift up. Come on, for your whole life you've been lifted to the gate. Someone's lifted you to a place so you could just get by. And maybe it's someone who loves you and they've done that for you because they love you and they continue to lift you, but you find yourself in the same place. This guy was lifted to the same place, same situation, but when God touched him, he was lifted into new life. But he began to walk. First, it says his foundation was strengthened. His feet and his ankles were strengthened. Then he walked. Then he jumped. I want to encourage you. Sometimes when God lifts us up, we're so excited at the beginning. All we want to do is begin to sprint. But God is saying, no, you got to get sure of your feet first. Come on, you got to find your foundation in the house of God. Come on, you got to find your foundation around great believers. Come on. And then you begin to walk. And then you begin to run. And that's when the praising of God happens. So I want to encourage you. For me, as soon as I got saved, my mentality before I was a Christian was like, hey, I know, I've got this. I can do this. I'm going to live my own life. This is my own solutions. This is my own ways. And when I got saved, when I met Jesus for the first time, that was my initial reaction is like, I've got this. I can do this. But God said, no, shut up. Slow down. Begin to stand. Begin to plant yourself in the house of God. Begin to plant yourself around good friends and good believers. There's some wiring in your brain, Eli, that needs changing. Come on, and this is going to take time. I I believe you're going to run. I believe you're going to be able to praise God. But right now you need to plant in the house. Then you will walk, and then you will run. The band's going to come up, and I'm going to finish in just a moment. But this, you might have missed it. There's two things. And I'm getting excited just to share it with you. But the first thing is, it says that it says that they lifted him up. 
and then he was healed. It wasn't that he was healed, his legs came back, and then he stood up. It says he lifted him up. The faith of Peter and John, just to rip up this man who hadn't walked his whole life. And his legs. <laughs> Come on, this is powerful. There was action before there was the miracle. There was movement before the miracle. Come on, all through the Bible we see this. Come on, there's faith before action. Come on, Moses raised the staff before the Red Sea separated. Come on, David chose to face the giant before he knew he could defeat him. Come on, the woman who had the blood issue just thought if I could just touch the hem of his robe. She didn't know what was going to happen, but it was until she reached out in faith, then the healing comes. Come on, all through the Bible, it first starts with a step, a trust, a faith. I can picture this guy, come on, it'd be extremely rude. Someone rips you up off the ground and you haven't worked for, you haven't walked for 40 years plus. He could have had a negative reaction. What are you doing? But he didn't. He allowed it to happen. What do I have to lose? What's my solution? I've been here for 40 years doing the same thing. I've tried it my own way. I've tried to make the money. I've tried to be successful. I've tried to get out of my situation, but no matter what I do, I find myself still in the same spot. But here I am, I'm faced with a moment. I'm heeding what's happening before me. I don't understand what's going on. I don't even understand who these are, these people are. I've heard about this Jesus of Nazareth, but everything is not good what I've heard about him. But if he can change my situation, I'm willing to take it. Friend, in a moment, I'm going to give you that opportunity as well. As someone gave me the opportunity in 2005, the 5th of November, somewhere around there, I'm pretty sure was an opportunity to say, hey, Eli, it's time to let your own ways down. You've tried it your own way for 21 years. Look where it's got you. It's time to trust in God. Thank you so much for joining us online today. Really great to have you with us. And special thanks to those also who give online. Your generosity is making the way for others to hear the message of Jesus both here in Australia and around the world. If you enjoyed today's message, I'd love to encourage you to share this message with a friend, a workmate, a family member. And let's believe together that it will powerfully impact their life for good in Jesus' name. If you're unable to be with us at one of our church locations, uh, both here in Australia and around the world, please join us online every Sunday for Global Heart at Home on YouTube. God bless and have a great week.